thank um, Roger and Chris uh, for putting this conference on and uh, see a lot of friends here. Well, in my book, um, Sovereignty, <coughs> Sovereignty or Submission, available in, in Amazon, of course, <laughs> I argued that we needed uh, to reconfigure uh, the global chessboard of world politics. I posited that the future struggle for the world, Burnham's tour, uh, uh, term, uh, would witness uh, the conflict between the democratic, the sovereign democratic nation state uh, <clears throat> on the one hand and the oligarchical forces of global governance on the other. Now this morning, I'm gonna plunge into the weeds and focus on an influential actor in today's Cold War <clears throat> between democratic sovereignists and transnational progressives. That is the democracy network. This network is centered in organizations such as the National Endowment for Democracy and, and in Freedom House and includes an array of prominent writers. The National Endowment for Democracy, NED, N-E-D, is a tax-exempt, nonprofit, private corporation created by the U.S. Congress in 1983 to, quote, strengthen democratic values and institutions around the world. It's funded annually by Congress and has achieved prominence, uh, of course, during last century's Cold War. <clears throat> Freedom House was founded in 1941 by Wendell Wilkie and Eleanor Roosevelt to be, quote, a clear voice for freedom and democracy around the world. After the uh, last century's Cold War, private funding for Freedom House dried up, and it's now almost entirely dependent on the federal government. <clears throat> for years, both NED and Freedom House have been considered nonpartisan, but the world has changed. What have they been saying lately about the conflict between sovereignists and globalists? The front line in this, this conflict, of course, is the struggle over Brexit. So what are they saying about Brexit? <clears throat> the National Endowment for Democracy has a, a daily online journal, the Democracy Digest, read it every day. August the 28th, 2019, about two months ago, uh, the Democracy Digest headline blared, quote, nakedly populist move jolts world's most stable democracy. And, quote, Boris Johnson's decision to temporarily suspend parliament is the most dangerous assault on British institutions in living memory. Uh, the text continues. The big question I've heard asked about Boris Johnson and whether it's right to characterize him as an authoritarian populist in the mold of America's Donald Trump and Italy's Matteo Salvini. A week later, September the 4th, last month, Democracy Digest uh, linked to an, an Ian uh, Baruma essay stating that, quote, Boris Johnson poses the same dangers to liberal democracy that populist agitators did to the Roman Republic, unquote. In fact, uh, the Ned Journal links to anti-Brexit articles several times a week. I've been reading this daily. They rarely, if ever, uh, link to Brexit supporters like Daniel Hannan uh, or Douglas Murray. Freedom House, in its annual report, disparages the Brexiteers, quote, the Brexit campaign brought widespread concerns of rising anti-immigrant and anti-Muslim sentiment uh, with the Council of Europe expressing concerns about hate speech among politicians 
and newspapers. So uh, is Freedom House implying that a political speech should be restricted? In the past several years, the elected conservative governments in Poland and Hungary have been under continuous assault by NED, Freedom House, and the global governance movement generally. They're accused of democratic backsliding. NED's print magazine, the Journal of Democracy, tells us that, quote, um, populist nativist parties, like those in Poland and Hungary, uh, that thrive on fears regarding immigration and continuing European integration, fears of continuing European integration, must be contained. In other words, the globalists are saying that democratic nation states that oppose further EU integration and that wish to determine their own immigration policies are somehow undemocratic and may require lessons on democratic values from a political entity, the EU, in which laws are initiated by an unelected bureaucracy rather than by an elected legislature. Poland and Hungary are often charged with undermining an independent judiciary, the rule of law. In both countries, since the fall of communism, their judiciaries were self-perpetuating oligarchies with little input from elected officials. New judges were chosen by sitting judges and committees of lawyers, leading to widespread corruption. Imagine if in the United States, federal judges were chosen by the American Bar Association, or the Ninth Circuit uh, chose their own successors. This is not the rule of law, but the rule of lawyers and corrupt ones at that. Essentially, the conservative governments in Poland and Hungary are reforming their judiciaries, making them more democratic in line with democracies like the United States, in which democratically elected officials are part of the process of choosing judges. However, Poland and Hungary are not the only conservative governments that are seen as problematic. Freedom House declared that Denmark's right of center government deserved, quote, special scrutiny because its parliament considered, uh, was considering legislation that would, quote, restrict immigrant rights. What this meant was that the conservative Danish government reduced cash welfare pay benefits for refugees and required affluent migrants, there are many of them, there are millionaires from the, the Gulf and so on going into Denmark, that they pay for their own support rather than use government welfare funds. Well, Freedom House uh, apparently, con um, for Freedom House, this apparently constitutes, quote, setbacks for freedom. Freedom House downgraded Israel's civil liberties rating because the conservative Likud government passed the NGO, non-governmental organizations, Transparency Act. The law required that nonprofit organizations that receive more than half of their funding from foreign sources, that would be from the EU and European states like Sweden, uh, it required them to disclose their information. Prime Minister Netanyahu stated that, quote, the purpose of the law is to prevent the absurd situation in which foreign countries intervene in Israel's internal affairs without the Israeli public even being aware of it, unquote. But for, for Freedom House, the transparency law constitutes, quote, intolerance of dissent. Do we see a pattern here? The culprits always represent conservative, democratic, sovereigntist political forces, whether in Great Britain, in Poland, in Hungary, in Denmark, or in Israel, and of course, in the United States. 
in 2014, that is before there was a President Trump, Freedom House condemned <coughs> voter identification laws as Republican attempts to suppress minority voting. Since the Trump phenomenon, we have seen the emergence of a grand narrative uh, from, the, from, the, from all of these people, the globalists and the Democratic prom uh, promotion group. There's a rising illiberalism in the West, conceptually aligned with authoritarianism. The narration runs something along the lines of Putin equals Erdogan equals Orban equals Kuczynski equals Netanyahu equals Brexit equals Trump. In 2019, uh, Mike Abramowitz, president of the Freedom House a couple months ago, declared, quote, the pillars of freedom have come under attack in the United States. Why? He cited the Trump administration's, quote, harsh attack on immigrants and asylum seekers that have restricted their rights. And what rights would those be? Apparently, the right of any person to enter a democracy without the consent of the citizens of that democracy. So the right of government without the consent of the governed. Now, Larry Diamond uh, of Stanford is a co-editor of NED's, NED's Journal of Democracy. He studied democratic development uh, for decades. He's been studying it. Diamond states that the Trump administration poses a worse threat to democracy than Watergate. Robert Kagan of the Brookings Institution is a close associate of the Democracy Promotion Network. His wife, Victoria Newland, who was a key player in the Obama State Department, has served on the board of the National Endowment for Democracy. On the issue of sovereignty, Kagan, then an advisor to John McCain in 2008 uh, during the election, said that, quote, that the United States should not oppose but welcome a world of pooled and diminished national sovereignty. So again, what's, what's going on? Well, first of all, um, the National Endowment for Democracy is not adhering to its congressionally mandated mission of strengthening democratic values in a nonpartisan manner. Neither is Freedom House, faithful to its original strategic vision of being a clear voice of freedom and democracy around the world. Now, I will say there's a big difference between the work these organizations do in genuine authoritarian regimes, Venezuela, Cuba, China, Iran, North Korea, uh, work which is uh, often commendable. Uh, but this compares with their activities in Europe and North America, which is quite different. In the West, Ned and Freedom House and their stable of writers are highly partisan, anti-conservative, anti-sovereignty, more supportive of oligarchical elites than democratic majorities, and clear allies of transnational progressivism. Why do they single out and criticize Denmark's immigration policy, Israel's transparency approach to foreign-funded NGOs, and Poland's restrictions on abortion? Because they are partisan, because they take the transnational progressive side on every controversial issue. When examining Brexit, the European Union, or mass immigration in Europe and the United States, who do the democracy promoters in their, in their journals, in their articles, who do they quote and link to? Well, to The Guardian, to George Soros's Open Society Foundation, to Fareed Zakaria and Robert Kagan, and not to The Telegraph, Roger Scruton, Christopher Caldwell, and John O'Sullivan. They are, in other words, not fair and balanced, 
why is there little or no criticism of the EU's long-recognized democracy deficit along the lines that former German Foreign Minister Joschka Fischer's famous Humboldt University speech uh, in May of 2000. Uh, he brought it up. Uh, these, these folks are not bringing it up. Why is there no criticism of the EU's blatant illiberalism? By illiberalism, I mean gender quotas and ethnic quotas and highly restrictive hate speech measures which distort the debate in the public square on issues related to mass migration, immigrant criminality, and radical Islamic terrorism. Why is there no criticism of Angela Merkel, Mark Zuckerberg discussion on how to censor online denunciation of her immigration policies? EU and German illiberalism surpasses anything uh, that's going on in Poland and Hungary, where, by the way, the opposition just won uh, elections in Warsaw and in Budapest in free and fair elections, so hardly an unfree society. Now, Mark Plattner, an uh, old friend of mine who's deputy director of the, of, uh, the National Endowment for Democracy's Journal of Democracy, asked whether American conservatives were giving up on liberal democracy. And Josh Moravchik and Arch Puddington and some of these people have asked the same question. The answer is, of course not. We are embracing democratic sovereignty, however, and resisting undemocratic transnational governments. We're saying that the 45th president of the United States was right uh, to tell the United Nations that, quote, sovereign and independent nations are the only vehicle where freedom has ever survived and democracy has ever endured, unquote. Now, I thought it was worthwhile this morning to examine the Democracy Promotion Network. Because, why? Because, well, realistically, in a practical operational sense, uh, this network is a key asset for global progressives who are waging war upon democratic sovereignty. This group is influential because they retain the support, they retain strong support among Republicans in Congress and in the Republican uh, foreign policy establishment. Old habits die hard. Many Republican politicians think we're still living in Frank Fukuyama's dream world in which there's a unified democratic West. Instead of today's reality, which is the existence of an irreconcilable global struggle between democratic sovereignty and transnational progressivism, the Democracy Promotion Network needs to be called out and needs to be demystified. At the very least, they are not doing uh, what they are being paid to do with your taxpayer dollars. Thank you.